Welcome Swifties to Pathological People Pleasers, the podcast where two queer Latinas go in-depth into Taylor Swift's every song. I'm Dahlia. And I'm Mason. We talk lyrics, five holes in the fence, rumors, metaphors, and share our own life experiences when we were happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. We're not waiting to meet at midnight. Let's get right into it. Welcome, Swifties, to the pilot episode of Pathological People Pleasers. We're going to be talking about the Era Store today, since it's just been, like, roughly a couple days since it ended. We have a lot, and I mean a lot, to discuss. So, who's ready to jump right in? I know, I definitely am. My God, yeah, this tour, it was something else for sure. Um, I saw it on opening night as well as August 8th with my mom and my partner. Um, Opening at night was just with my mom. Uh, August 9th, August 8th was with my mom and my partner. Uh, We were having an amazing time. Um, I gotta say, I thought that I won in terms of like, you know, kind of seeing everything. But Dahlia, you literally saw it on the night that 1989 Taylor's version was announced. So I feel like you take home the crown for that one. Yeah, if I was, I was gonna, I am gonna say, I was a little disappointed because I saw so many Swifties that went multiple nights, mm-hmm. and I kind of regretted that I didn't attempt to do that same thing as well. But you, you can't beat out an album announcement. I think the Speak Now people and mm-hmm. the eighth, the August ninth crowd just definitely takes the winnings for this leg of the Eras tour. Who knows what she has planned for the international legs, honestly. Yeah, because, like, this is the first time you've seen it. So, if I remember correctly, you said that you wanted to go in as spoiler-free as possible. Or, yeah, spoiler-free as possible. Not wanting to know anything major outside of, like, the outfits, such and such. So, I feel like the best experience is, like, going in blind. That's kind of how it was for me when I went on opening night because literally every song was a surprise song in its own right. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that was, especially because you got to go two nights. So you got to go in completely blind. There were no spoilers, which to speak of, because it was Mm -hmm. the first night. And then you got to go basically right near the end, the second to last day of the yeah. first leg of the U.S. tour. So did you see, feel a difference between your experiences in the two ends? I feel like everything was pretty much the same when I went on August 8th, except for um, the Haim sisters performing No Body, No Crime and the addition of Long Live, since Speak Now Taylor's version is out in the public. Um for opening night i i don't want to say that i got spoiled but i did see a couple of like rumors going around the day of like oh she's gonna sing ready for it oh she's gonna sing midnight rain like you know little hints and tidbits about what the set list was gonna be but again i knew what i knew like okay the best experience is for me to just turn my fucking phone off and just get right into it and you're asking me if like the like the differences between those shows yeah um opening night was just like god yeah that was it was just like fucking spectacular um august 8th again it was pretty much the same as i kind of expected but uh with the addition of those songs but um 
it was insane. Um, I remember, I think I still have the videos, or I probably deleted them just to make room for the August 8th show, but when the intro started, I remember just kind of sitting there, or not sitting there, but like standing, trying to find Taylor, because I'm like four feet two, and I'm short as fuck, kind of just trying to figure out like, where is she? Where the fuck is she? What's all these fucking pedals? And (laughs) just being like really emotional, like, yeah, it really has been a long time coming, and just kind of seeing everybody or seeing the dancers and the background singers like take their place and prepare to like you know lift up Taylor for the opening song I was just very very wickedly emotional and I was just as emotional as I was on the second to last show um let's see I will say I've lost my voice twice to Screaming Cruel Summer and I am not ashamed of it <laughs> I remember I I remember I sent you the video and you were just like you were fighting a cough and you were literally dying when I sent it to you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember those days. So for you, did you know when you went to that opening night that you were going to see Taylor again or what did that happen later? I knew that I was going to see Taylor again because when I got tickets for opening night, it was actually really last minute. I didn't get the tickets until like two days before the show. I'll talk about that in a second. But for August 8th, these tickets were purchased during the Great War. I survived um, <laughs> right in November. I was literally fighting hunger, a lack of sleep. I was literally in the library of my college, just like one laptop or my laptop was pulled up on my Ticketmaster account. My um, partner's uh, account was pulled up on the library computer because it was connected to Ethernet and she had gotten tickets or not tickets, but she had gotten her code. I had gotten my code too, but I just wanted to use the one that would run faster. Um, Those tickets were purchased ahead of time, but opening night was just like an impromptu decision between me and my mom. Like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we just decided to like go see Taylor Swift and at first I was like are you I mean are you sure about that because like I almost like I literally spent so much fucking money on the August 8th tickets like are you really sure you want to do that and my mom's like why the fuck not because she wanted to catch the first day of the show and the second to last day we wanted to do closing night but at this point it was just like eh, we might as well catch the tail end of it just to see you know why not um uh, we managed, did we get an Airbnb? I don't fucking remember. Yeah, we definitely got an Airbnb. Um, we just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, we would get to and from where we needed to be as fast as possible. Oh no, we got a hotel. My bad. Um, it was a nightmare getting back the first night, but when we were coming home from the August 8th show, it was kind of just quick and easy. Not really, because we had a bit of a wait, but... It was less chaotic than it originally was for us on the night after the show ended for opening night. Yeah, I got it. Uh, we're jumping around a lot here, but totally cool. We're just as chaotic mm-hmm. as Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of things. For my Great Wars experience, I was in the office and Ooh. I had to delay a meeting like I already gave my coworkers heads up like hey I might be a couple minutes late because I had mm-hmm. pre-sale tickets and then it got delayed till the afternoon yeah. and I was just like everyone in the office was just seeing me freaking out and they were like did you get it did you get it and I'm like no oh it's God. delayed until the afternoon and yeah it, it was a fun experience it's like now I'm I'm the swifty of the office because everyone <laughs> saw me have those breakdowns while Ticketmaster was being it's it's 
lovely self. Uh, I remember. And then, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, I also, like, like you said, like, I was the last day of what was supposed to be the U.S. leg. We didn't know mm-hmm. at the time it was going to be the first U.S. leg or that there were going to be international dates. Uh, so I, I've always been, like, very anti-spoiler um, with shows, with movies, with anything, uh, even with Taylor stuff. Like, if there's ever leaks, I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I try to avoid it as best as I can and as much as I could without, like, completely unfollowing and blocking Taylor from Instagram and Tumblr and everything. So, yeah, I'd seen most of the outfits, but I hadn't seen any of the set list. I didn't know what order any of the eras came in. Uh, And then I would just see, like, random surprise song announcements whenever I was on Tumblr. But mm-hmm. it made a lot of sense for her to start with Lover. And it's one of those scenes, like, in retrospect, you're like, of course, that's what she starts with. Because Lover was the first one that we missed out on uh, once the pandemic hit. Uh, so yeah. I really like that, that she kept that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. I remember um, when Hits Different was released for the... Um, lavender version of the Midnight CD. I was trying so hard to get you to listen to it. Like, you have <laughs> to fucking listen to this. It's so good. I was literally crying, rolling around on the floor, just like dancing all over the place. Like, you need to fucking listen to this song. It's so good. And you're like, nope, nope. Like, not until it hits streaming services. And I'm like, are you fucking for real? But <laughs> yeah, like, you really stand firm on that belief. And I commend you for it because, like, I could never. I could never. Yeah, I don't know what it really is. And it's one of those things that's just like in my head, a moral thing. Like I totally don't hold it against you or anyone else for listening to it. But in my head, Taylor goes through so much to plan out these Easter eggs and these releases Mm -hmm. and everything that I want to hear it when she wants me to hear it and even Mm -hmm. though it's out there like I just didn't buy the CD I didn't that that wasn't the only thing for hits different but uh even for the folklore and evermore tracks I didn't hear them until I bought the physical CD like I gave in and I was like okay she's not putting this on streaming services soon so I'm just gonna go to Target and buy the freaking CD Mm -hmm. uh yeah but then I didn't for hits different um it's we, we can get into it later, but Hits Different is definitely one of those songs that hasn't grown, that needs to grow on me. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it was because of the anticipation, because for The Lakes and um, Right Where You Left Me, those songs are some of my favorites out of Folklore and Evermore. Mm-hmm. But Hits Different definitely needs to grow on me a little bit. Yeah, because, like, she didn't release it on streaming services immediately, when like there was no midnight's deluxe outside of the 3 a.m edition there wasn't anything like deluxe yet until roughly during the um the breakup which we're gonna talk about soon listeners don't you worry but um yeah lover being the first um it definitely made me super happy to see lover just get the spotlight if only for like you know a couple of minutes uh, oh my god speak now on the other hand like barely gotten anything besides enchanted but that's and long live later on but lover like it was just really genius to start off with that because like 
Loverfest was going to be such a huge thing. And then, like, again, pandemic. And, you know, Taylor really, really wanted to make up for that because she was already feeling, like, um, you know, upset enough to not have the ability to perform for us at the time. Now it's like, okay, I can definitely see why she really wanted to go all out. Like, you know, five years not touring, you got to, like, you know, live it up somehow. And this tour, three hours and 44 songs, like, she does not come to fucking play. Yeah, I really appreciated her. And I don't know if she gave the speech at every concert, but at least for the LA last day, she talked about how everyone was asking her. So, like, you put out three, four CDs in the pandemic. What are you going to do? Just play songs from each CD and have it be three hours long? And she was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that that's the plan. That's the exact plan. Um, yeah. So, yeah. For you, I haven't been to many concerts in my life, and I've definitely never been to a concert as big as Taylor, if there even is such a thing. Perhaps mm-hmm. only, like, Beyonce's Renaissance Tour can compare at, at this point. Mm-hmm. I think the amount of detail Taylor goes into her concerts to make sure her fans are entertained, and I saw this in the Rep Tour with the Netflix special that came out, of Mm -hmm. how she makes sure something is going on like looking at the screen alone like not even paying attention to taylor if you just looked at the screen and all the imagery and storytelling she had there like i feel like i missed so much i was on ninth row four seats right in between the what are we calling it the diamond in the Mm -hmm. center uh, and I, I see, I've seen other videos from other tor- other fans that were much higher up in the stadiums, and like the videography on the floors, it's like insane. Like I yeah. feel like you have to see it, and that's what Ta- I feel like that's what Taylor does to make sure that even if you're in the nosebleed seats, you have some extra thing to make you feel like you have a special angle, even if you're not close say in the quote-unquote prime seats of being close to her physically yeah and yeah that's what I love the most because I've been to um at the top of my head I can name Fall Out Boy, 21 Pilots, um Panic at the Disco um those artists like they do not compare to what Taylor is doing artistically when it comes to the concerts the visuals just like it's insane like from the glass shattering on like the stage in delicate to um the lover house burning down to taylor walking into the burnt down lover house and kind of that black lingerie and just kind of setting it aflame which by the way that was a whole thing i loved it um what else to her kind of just marching around the city as a giant and anti-hero and um even down to the band performing in different angles like i don't not different angles well yeah they came on the stage i know for you belong with me the fearless era section they were also on the sides of the stage i don't know what they're called but i know the background the backup singers the band were there and until they had to move around and such but everyone was able to get a good view of what they needed to see what taylor wanted them to see and she got a good view of us with the light up bracelets and she was just out here memorizing our faces during the 
you know, aftermath of champagne problems where she gets her standing ovation, which, like, is such a sweet thing. I know that when I saw it on August 8th, it lasted for almost eight minutes long. Um, opening night wasn't as long as that one, but which was, you know, a little disappointing. Like, come on, Taylor hasn't been on for five years. But um, towards the tail end of the tour, it was just super surreal. Yeah, I think also it's just like these little patterns have built up over time. So perhaps on opening night, you know, people still didn't know like that was the chance. Like she's going to let you go on until you go on. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I still have the video. I remember just like, you know, filming during the eight minute, eight minute standing ovation and just kind of like talking to my partner, like, how long do you want to make this last? And she's like, as long, like until Taylor tells us to stop. And I'm like, this could either end (laughs) badly or be something good, but we'll see. And it was just the best thing ever. Like she was just super emotional. Just like, I don't remember exactly what she said verbatim, but I know that it was going to stick for her for a while, with stick with her for a while. And that was just like the sweetest thing we could give her. Um, as well as like, you know, our endless empathy, endless love, such and such as we always do and our insanity. So I know that you and I are probably like out of a scale of one to 10, we're like level 13 for Mm -hmm. our swiftiness. Yes. How, where, where would you rank your, your mom and partner? Ooh, okay. That's a good question. Um, my mom loves midnight. She, um, she's got, I mean, she's like, damn, that's a good question. She's literally like right outside. I can just ask her. Give me one second. Mom, how would you rank yourself as a Swifty from one to 13? Uh, 8.5. Okay. So my mom just said (laughs) 8.5, which makes sense. Okay. That's, um, that's respectable. She loves the re-recording. She loves Midnight. She loves Fearless. Um, the singles, obviously. Um, my partner, she, I think she's kind of around like 7.5, maybe 8, maybe 9. I'm honestly not sure because, like, I know she wasn't as much of a Swifty before we met. And when we met, you know, she was still trying to, like, she was beginning to understand, like, oh, I see, like, the love and adoration you have for this girl like her lyricism like how much it means to you so she's been like building up interest in taylor since and i remember kind of seeing her during the eras tour she was literally to my surprise singing every song and that might just be because i told her to set list ahead of time like hey like here's a whole 44 song shebang here's a playlist um you don't like just memorize it please and I was expecting to be disappointed, but she delivered. Um, I'd say just within, like, the eight range, I'm going to say. Now, that is, like, goals for a partner to memorize the songs on the set list. Uh, and the reason I asked uh, was because my I went with my best friend for the August 9th date, and I would say she's, like... A five, five and a half Swifty. She definitely loves more of like the older songs like Fearless and mm-hmm. the new Midnight's. But, you know, she was there was definitely moments where she wasn't singing along because she just didn't know a lot of the songs. She loves Cardigan and stuff like that. A lot of the singles. Yeah. But she definitely had 
Well, I told her that there was a suspicion that 1989 was going to be announced today, but the per the fan to my uh, left was definitely a Swifty. Like you could tell. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about it when Taylor came out in the Speak Now dress. She was like, "Is that a new dress? Is that a new dress?" And she's like, and the one with the folklore dress. We're like, another blue dress. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is happening. Uh, so there's definitely like different levels, but even. It's not saying that I hold against her. I just love that at the very least I got like a genuine Swifty right next to me that was freaking out on the same levels that I was, especially as the announcement came through. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's like the best experience to have. I know like, hmm. Damn, I was going to say when I was there for the announcement, and I'm like, no, my ass literally wasn't. But, um, <laughs> God, I wish. I was driving vicariously through you. But um, I will say, here's an example. When um, the Speak Now section of the tour started, like, I was just waiting in anticipation for the, I, de- I titled it the cupcake dress, the layered uh, purple Speak Now dress where it's like a little fancy ball gown with all like the different purple colors and stuff. And I sound like an idiot, but um, I remember just like kind of waiting for like the little screen to lift up. Like, is she going to wear the dress? Is she going to wear the dress? Is she going to wear the dress? And then like cheering insanely when she did. And there was another Swifty with me, like I think like a row behind me or above me. Uh, above in front or behind me like we were both freaking out and I'm like oh my god yes and then when the folklore set started I was like is she gonna wear the green dress is she gonna wear the green dress please be the green dress and then cheering like a maniac when she did and cheering with other people too it was just like the best experience ever um so there are similarities like you know just it's good to have other people who are like you know anticipating certain things from Taylor um the dress is nothing compared to the 1989 announcement, but it's there. There, You can kind of see what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah. we can't all have the announcement. Uh, <sighs> but I guess a side question I have for you, because obviously I've been avoiding spoilers, so I haven't mm-hmm. seen any of the live streams. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, live as they're happening. How how do you feel about that? Is this like something new? Because I don't think I've seen a lot of this done for like other types of tours or artists. I will say, I think this is kind of definitely new because most of the tech, like I mostly tune into the surprise song live streams during like on TikTok. Like, I literally just search Mm -hmm. up Eras Tour, and then I go to the live section, and whoever is, like, at the concert streaming it live, I'm going to tune in, I'm going to see what songs are being played, and then I'm going to go out. But um, I think it's, like, definitely new, because, like, you know, artists have, like, artists outside of Taylor, they have their own set list for the concert that they're performing, and, like... For Taylor, she just switches it up every night. Like, okay, yeah, let's do surprise songs, but let's make it different. And the fans are always going to wonder, like, okay, what songs are safe? What songs are is she not going to sing? Because I remember I didn't tune into a live because I think I was getting ready, like, the night before I saw the tour. But um, literally the night I flew into California, 
um, she's saying dress and exile, and I didn't know about it until I logged onto Twitter, and it felt like a second plane hit Cornelia Street because I was just so livid. <laughs> livid in a good way. Like, oh my god, yay, she's performing it, but also, damn it, she's not gonna perform it again when I go. Um, but yeah, that I feel like this experience is just definitely new. Um, because of how much we like how badly we want to know like okay what song is she gonna sing and who's gonna be there to catch it yeah i definitely think that it's a cool new thing that people are doing and again gives an opportunity for the swifties that couldn't make the concert to go yeah Uh, though i am also incredibly excited for the documentary the series the potentially 10 part series question a lot of stuff going around yeah yeah we'll see what she ends up doing because i remember i think it's still on hulu uh i remember seeing something like a journey to the eras tour something like that i can't remember i remember seeing this like when opening night began where basically there was like little episodes if you will kind of dedicated to each era and i'm like okay like what does this have to like i know it's the journey to the heiress tour but are we gonna get anything more than that like are we gonna see something on disney plus netflix who fucking knows um but i know that the sofi stadium shows at least for the first three they got filmed with the um that's evident with the wrist bracelets kind of just being bigger for those specific nights and then kind of switching back to the normal standard small ones um i'm very curious to see how that's gonna go either way i'm tuned the fuck in i'm excited um i think it'll definitely be super fun to kind of just have that as like something to look back on and also just have that for fans who are like yeah, I, I did not survive the Great War. I did not get tickets. I didn't make it to the first leg of the show. Like, I probably won't make it to the U.S., not U.S., international on the second U.S. leg. They're going to ha- probably have a tour documentary, and that's going to be great. And that's also going to be great for fans who have already been to the show because they get to relive their favorite moments except in high-quality 4K. And, you know, that'll be good for my camera roll so it can breathe for a few days. Yeah, well, while we're on the subject of the documentaries, um, this was my first time seeing Taylor in person. Uh, yeah, I actually contemplated getting tickets for Loverfest, but then just it wasn't in the budget at the time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that turned out to be a good thing because it yeah. never happened. Uh, and it, I did really like miss missing out on reputation i can't pick a favorite album but reputation definitely has a special place in my heart it was like the first album where i was really like in swifty mode for the releases Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i was following along with all the hints all the clues since the first deleting of everything on instagram happened i was along for the ride so I, I did always miss missing out on the Reputation tour, but it the documentary on Netflix was amazing and incredible, and I watch it I've watched it multiple times, and I watched it every now and then again too. But in some ways, I do feel like it hasn't even we're recording this on August thirteenth because the stars align for us. Mm-hmm. So that's 
a couple days after I saw Taylor live in person. Yeah. 20 feet away from me. And it Mm -hmm. never, it still hasn't, and it never quite hit during the performance that Taylor was right there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, we have such, as you said, high quality definition video streaming now that it's, it could have still just been a screen. She looked exactly the same as I imagine she will look on the documentaries. Yeah. Like hair perfect, makeup perfect, everything just in place mm-hmm. and just perfect and shiny. So it, it's, it's just, you know, a bigger pondry about how social media and TV nowadays is so a big part of our life that sometimes when you're actually live in the moment it may not hit as hard as in other times no yeah for sure um I know for me like it was very different because like again I'll kind of compare and compare with uh you and me I've always watched the Reputation Stadium tour um Netflix recording every now and then I knew like oh oh yeah I'm gonna be in front of Taylor Swift and it didn't really hit me um, I think until that moment or maybe after the concert because I remember I remember seeing this article I don't remember where when it was published um, but I think you can look it up by these keywords um, just these fans getting cases of little amnesia after the Taylor Swift concerts um, and the reason why I, that I bring that up is because like you know we're not really processing that oh, we're at the Eras tour, Taylor Swift is right there until, like, afterwards. Like, until we kind of look back, like, maybe on our cameras or just kind of think to ourselves, like, oh, wait, yeah, that was Taylor. Like, she really did all that. Like, it's just a whole thing, which, like, again, all these videos that we have of Taylor, it's just so, it's just insane to look back on because it's like, this is literally the woman we saw singing Ready For It in the Reputation Stadium tour filming. And now, like, we literally just saw her, like, days ago. Wow. Um, what was the first half of the question again? Oh, no, no question. Just me giving my ponderings about how, I don't know, I feel like I was supposed to have, as Taylor Swift would say it, uh, an epiphany at some mm-hmm. point during the concert and mm-hmm. I didn't just because I don't know probably in part my anxiety probably in part you know just technology nowadays but mm-hmm. it, it was still an incredible experience I just yeah. was expecting to have an oh my god moment like there's this really and now I'm bringing my two worlds together there's this amazing video going around Instagram right now of a fan in Australia meeting Sam Kerr the Australian soccer player because the World Cup is going on right now. And right after she meets her and, like, Sam Kerr signs something for her, she turns back and her friend or partner is taking a video. She breaks down sobbing. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess, kind of what I expected to happen to me because, you know, we we are level 13 Swifties. We have been with Taylor for so long, and I was... Yeah, the fact that that didn't happen makes me feel like, did, did, have I really processed seeing Taylor in person? Because I don't think I have. I feel like it's kind of just different for everybody. Like, we're all going to have our moments where, like, that epiphany hits us like, 
oh my god, I'm seeing, or I, I saw Taylor Swift, and, like, it's not a bad thing if it hasn't hit you yet. I think that's honestly just with how, as you mentioned, you had your anxieties as well as, like, you know, musings on social media and the like that it was kind of just, you're kind of waiting for, like, I feel like when you're in concert mode, like, when you're at the venue, when you've, like, paid all that money to be there, when you're, when everything is going on, you're kind of in the middle of, like, I don't want to say the Great War, but, like, a great war with your anxiety and also just kind of being super overwhelmed, like, oh my god, like, hold on, I need to breathe, or, like, or like, hold on, I need to take this all in and process it in my own way afterwards or during, however it works for different people, um, I know that's definitely what I can say for that. And again, it's not a bad thing if you're not processing it yet. I know, like, for me, it's kind of taking me a couple of days to realize, like, oh, like, that'll be it. Like, that was kind of the last few times I got, kind of got to see Taylor. I also want to circle back on um, kind of how you hopped onto the Swifty train. Because I know you mentioned you were there for everything when Taylor went dark on social media around roughly... 2017 then kickstarted the reputation uh, era sometime afterwards um for me i i mean i was kind of just like a swifty since 2008 like i was just a big fan of uh speak now red and fearless and oh yeah 1989 as well um that was such a rough time because like people were just like you know making misogynistic comments about Taylor and like you know when the reputation era started or not when it when it started but when Taylor did that social media blackout I was like I kind of was just witnessing it all happen like oh god like what the fuck's happening like this is weird is she is she good then reputation state uh not stadium well reputation kind of came out and I wasn't really like you know tuned in to her, to her music at the time any for like a brief period of time because like life was happening but also just I wasn't really sure like okay this is a really new sound that Taylor is like using I don't know like I don't know when to kind of jump in until you know I'm ready or whatever or if it's going to be good or not but I remember when Lover came out in 2019 2018 2019 I'm gonna say 2019 I hope that's correct but um when it came out around that time, I was, like, listening to the songs, like, every now and then, like, not all the, not the whole album, but, like, you know, like, I Think He Knows, Lover, Miss Americana, and the Heartbreak Prince, Cruel Summer, uh, I, it's nice to have a friend, um, I was slowly getting back into the, you know, Swifty craze, I, I hadn't really listened to Reputation at the time, besides, like, Look What You Made Me Do, so I think it took, like, I remember you wrote a fan fiction and that had a Taylor Swift song somewhere in the title or referenced a lyric from Reputation and I read the fic, loved it, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna listen to this song because I used to be a big fan of Taylor. What's Taylor up to? What's her sound like? And I fell in love and then right when the pandemic was, you know, getting crazy, 
folklore cemented my love for Taylor again, and I was just on the Swifty train ever since. The mental illness train, the insanity train, the 13 train, the <laughs> Olivia Benson, and the other Benjamin, and the other cat. <laughs> I feel so bad. I'm like, the other cat. Wow, such disrespect to Meredith Grey right Meredith, there. okay, in all fairness, my memory is just kind of shit right now, but Meredith, yes, <laughs> Meredith. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Meredith. Oh my god. But, um, yes, I was on all those trains since Folklore came out. And I have not gone off ever since. Yeah, for me, it's semi-similar. I was, like, I was a fan of Taylor ever since I was a kid in roughly 2008 with Fearless, Love Stories, Speak Now. I still remember listening to Speak Now for the first time in my bedroom on one of those portable disc readers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I loved Red. I loved 1989. But I wasn't, like, into the easter eggs or into being on tumblr on the taylor swift tag or even really like keeping up with her life so much until reputation happened and then after reputation during after reputation was when i've been on that level 13 swifty life since yeah because taylor loves to engage with fans how like whenever she can which also brings us to the Easter egg section where, for example, with five holes in the fence or no, it's <laughs> Becky or um, just all the hints she was dropping to Lover um, in her Instagram, just kind of interacting with fans like secret sessions, what have you. Um, it was such a big thing. That's also what drew me to um, kind of just interacting or not interacting because it's like implies it's double it's like two ways but kind of just trying to interact with taylor like on tumblr and just like getting involved with the easter eggs like oh looking on like the lyric books for um lover or not lover but um red 1989 like all the secret messages that she would put for each song it was just super insane and then kind of like i really wish she would do the same thing for like folklore evermore midnight's uh, lover but it would be really cool to have like those little secret lyrics hidden or not secret lyrics but like secret messages hidden in the lyrics but rest in peace I don't know um just having that level of engagement with Taylor and like all the fans has just been such a fun moment for us I feel yeah even in moments where we get it wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> five holes in the fence or the mysterious, the double 1989 and rep announcement we expected to have in the LA shows. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we move on to what surprise songs you got to hear and what surprise songs you wish you got to hear? Okay. So the surprise songs that I got to hear, I'll start with opening night. I got to hear Mirrorball in the guitar acoustic and I heard Tim McGraw, Piano Acoustic. For August 8th, I heard I Know Places, Guitar Acoustic, and King of My Heart on the Piano Acoustic. So the songs that I wish that I wanted to hear, it kind of just, it varies. Like, I really wish that I could have heard Dancing With Our Hands Tied on the guitar, or Call It What You Want on the guitar, or I, I told myself, like, she is never going to perform this fucking song, especially after the breakup. 
I thought, like, oh, she's never going to perform Dress again, but she did. And I was always hoping, I'm going to hear it one day, like, on the Eras tour. And, like, I unfortunately didn't. Same for the other surprise songs that I listed that I wanted to hear. But that's okay, because that's what YouTube is for. But, um... It would have been super nice. Oh my god, I I can't even go on without mentioning right where you left me, or that was just like a whole. I swear to God, cannons were going off in the distance. I heard gunshots. Like a set, a third plane has hit Cornelia Street. Like it was just insane. Oh yeah, I think you and I are both super sad about having to miss out on right where you left me. Yeah. The thing for me, though, was that I actually got to hear a lot of my favorites in the regular set list. Like, I didn't think Midnight Rains would make the Midnight set list. Oh, yeah. That one took me by surprise. Uh, And then, of course, being in the August 9th show, I got to hear New Romantics. Lucky bitch. The only thing that would have beat that... (laughs) The only thing that would have beat that would have been Wonderland, which I also absolutely love from the deluxe edition. Uh, And I also got to hear New Year's Day, which the New Year's Day long live combo in the Reputation uh, Stadium Tour documentary makes me cry every single time. Yeah. Uh, So that was definitely emotional. And moving on to Did We Ever Cry at the concert... Marjorie and Long Live got me very, very teary-eyed. Yeah. For me, it was always Marjorie. Um, and I'm comfortable talking about this. I went through a personal loss roughly before Folklore and Evermore came out. So when I heard Marjorie for the first time on Evermore, I was wickedly emotional. I was not expecting to hear it on opening night as part of the regular set list. So when she did it, like, I obviously broke down. And I cried again on August 8th. It was nice to kind of just, like, have that moment, like, okay, there's a break between the chaos, but also, like, this beautiful moment where, um, this didn't happen at opening night, but I know it happened after the first few shows where people would just light up their phones for Marjorie, and just kind of having that, but also having that song kind of be a comforting, um, I don't, know, I don't know what the word is, but just kind of be a comfort to me as somebody who kind of went through like an experience of losing a loved one like that. It definitely helped me a lot. Um, I wanted to cry during Long Live. I told myself like since Speaking Now Taylor's version came out, since she started performing it, that I was going to cry. I wanted to, but I think like my experience kind of got a little bit ruined um don't worry like she didn't do anything wrong it was just like there was this um lady behind my partner and I for context um my partner kind of had like antlers to her costume it was kind of giving willow it was giving witch and um you know my partner was just moving around with me having a great time this lady taps us and she says to my partner, excuse me, hi, I'm trying to take videos and pictures, but like your antlers are in the way and it's making very hard and you are moving too much. And, you know, my partner apologizes, takes off the antlers and stops moving. And I want to highlight that this lady said, and you're moving too much. Lady, this is a fucking Taylor Swift concert. This is a concert. Are you not going to expect yeah. people to move around? So when she took when she said that it was right before Long Live or I think right when the first few notes started that just like took me out of it like are you fucking kidding me like I remember just saying to her like I'm sorry she's having fun but go off and kind of just sitting standing there like 
did that really just fucking happen? Like, are you, are you serious? And, like, I was legit upset for a few minutes, like, a few couple of minutes during the song, but then afterwards I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna keep moving, I'm gonna keep dancing, I'm gonna, like, sing along to this, because this is a big moment for Taylor, and this is also what I paid for, and I want to sing along to this song, because I love it, and it resonates with me deeply, and fuck you, lady, if you're listening to this, fuck you, um, yeah. Yeah, that's such... I I can never understand people. I mean, obviously, we are pathological people pleasers. Mm-hmm. So I know I would never dare to ask someone to, like, stop moving at a concert. That, you know, that's so weird. Well, it, I'm sorry that happened to you. Thank you. And, yeah, it's so confusing because it's like, how are you going to tell someone to stop moving at a concert? Like, removing the antlers to have a better view, I can respect and understand wholeheartedly. But to stop moving, it's like, bro, nobody's going to stop moving. I remember when I went on opening night with my mom and I, like, there were these two guys just, you know, having a great time. Like, you know, being all lovey-dovey with each other. Like, moving around a lot during our concert. And we didn't say shit because, like, you know, it's a concert. Like, they probably paid good money to be here. I'm going to find a way to get better angles of the stage without them being in my frame. Same for literally August 8th. The same experience. It was just different guys this time. And I was like, okay, let me try to get a better view. Let me try to, like, you know, move a little bit just to get a better better shot of Taylor. That's it. I never once complained because I'm like, okay, these people have paid a lot of money to be here. I don't want to ruin their experience. Like, let's just, let's just keep it fucking moving, basically. I don't know how... I don't know how anyone would have any room to complain at a freaking Taylor Swift concert. Some people, you know. Oh, yeah. Why? (laughs) All right. Do you have any other topics you want to hit on the concert before we take us to the next one? Um, oh yeah, you mentioned, um, favorite songs on the set list. I know Midnight Rain was one of them. Were there any others you listed that I probably, that probably left my brain or something? Midnight Rains was definitely one of the ones I was most shocked with that was on it. I don't know why I didn't think it would make it on it. (laughs) Um, I also didn't think the Archer for the Aerith tour would make it. Uh, but we can talk in a second about how certain events may have influenced the set list to some extent. Oh, yeah. Uh, I definitely wish I could have heard Call It What You Want. That's my favorite from yeah. Reputation. I love Enchanted. Enchanted is my song. Enchanted is the song I go to when I have a crush or mm-hmm. any in- love interest. So I was so yep. happy when I heard those opening notes uh come out for the speak now era let's see red i did not get nothing new as this website says for red mm. uh, oh but the all too well 10 minute version i love that she did that and i mean of course she did that because she knows we will sing our lungs out for 10 minutes with her oh yeah for sure yeah any for you that stood out yeah for me, favorite songs, um, I'm already, like, zooming through the entire concert in my head, like, okay, what's my favorite song from this era? Um, obviously, just, like, getting to dance along to You Belong With Me was my favorite, especially during the August 8th show, because I was dressed up as Taylor from the music video and the pajamas. Um, I know I had you send in your signature to write your name, because I physically couldn't be there with you. We were a day apart from each other, and I was like, listen, just send me your signature, I'm gonna write it on my shirt. Um... 
You Belong With Me from Fearless definitely was a favorite. Um, same for The Archer. Um, Nobody No Crime was super fun. It wasn't like... No, it definitely was a favorite after the show or during the show. Um, Red, let's see. It was always a blast to kind of just dance along in t- uh, 22 because it just felt like such a big fucking party. Especially when she gets to give her 22 hat to whoever's in the audience, like whoever gets picked. It's always so sweet. Like, for me, it was always just kind of seeing the kids get it. It was just very a very beautiful experience for them to have and f- to be able to witness. Like, hell yeah, you get that fucking hat. You're going to take care of that hat. Treasure that fucking hat. Um, <laughs> folklore, I'll get into in a second. Um, yeah, Enchanted definitely was a favorite. I was always hoping to hear it live one day. And when opening night came, I just was such a baby crying my eyes out. Like, oh my god, she's singing yet. This song defined my life. Um, Long Live, definitely. As much as my experience was ruined for a bit, it was such a favorite to hear. It was so celebratory, so fun. Um, Marjorie, too, forevermore. Um, what else? Oh my god, yeah. Um... Look what you made me do. I know it's an obvious pick for the reputation era, but legit, I get I got into it. Like the moment she started singing the lyrics, I was just singing along with her cuz that song, I play it whenever I'm pissed off. Like whenever somebody fucking tries me, I'm like, okay, like I'm just going to play this and just like I can't take it out on you, so I'm just going to listen to this song cuz I'm pissed off and I'm going to sing along to it because I'm angry and I deserve to be and Taylor sounds awesome in this. Um the visuals along for that song were just so good during the Eras tour. It was just so fun. I was a little bit disappointed on opening night. On opening night, a teeny bit, I was disappointed because I was like, no snake? No Karen? Okay. But I love the fact that she had all of her dancers kind of dress up as her um, during her old eras kind of come together for that moment. Like, we're going to have them all trapped on stage until they kind of come after me at the end. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Bejeweled is a favorite. I love that it got to be part of the regular set list for the Midnight's era. Same for Midnight Rain and Vigilante shit, which I'll get into in a bit. So when I saw opening night, um, Invisible String opened the set list after that spoken word poetry of Seven. And then, obviously, after certain events, that was changed to The One, which makes sense. Um, I'm getting sad. (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) it was really cool to kind of see that difference. Like, okay, I know she's obviously not going to sing that anymore, but it was really cool in that moment to kind of just be there with a bunch of fans. And, like, you know, she did a high note, or she hit a bit of a high note when she sung it at my show. So it was really cool to kind of catch that. That that that, that that's the list. That's like seventy percent of the song set list. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> God, it is so fucking hot in this closet. Um, listeners, for anyone who needs context, I'm recording this in the closet of my bedroom right now, and um. I'm like taking I took a couple of sound design classes like early on in college and recording in a closet is just the way to be if you're doing something like voiceover work or voice acting or 
recording a podcast, for example, because you don't want too much sound to kind of seep in and make it hard to hear you because there's going to be so much distractions. It's going to be hard to edit your voice later on. This is what it's like for me right now, listener. I'm literally in the closet and I'm sweating my ass off, but it's worth it because I get to do this with Dahlia and I wouldn't have it any other way, but it is cramped in here. Like, I am hurting. (laughs) Mason is pulling out all the stumps. I, however, am comfortably on my chair at my desk. Yeah, you are so fucking lucky. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that you can be doing it too, but... I could. All right. Think one of the questions I had on the document while we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about for this pilot episode was, what was our favorite night on the tour? And I was trying to compile a list before we got started of everything that's happened and it's a long list like there were things that i forgot entirely happened even though it started in march which is not that long ago so and i definitely have an incomplete list but we got speak now the Mm -hmm. announcement and the release the i can't see you i can see you music video i can't see you Yeah, I can't see him. Uh, the 1989 announcement, mm-hmm. various nights when Aaron Desner and Jack Antonoff played with her. Yeah. We had the breakup. We mm-hmm. had... The situation. The situation that I'm calling it. We had the Karma music video at yes, some point. Yes, Ice Spice too. Oh, yes, we had Ice Spice. That's the next on my list. Yeah, the late night tracks, is that what it's called? Hits different finally yes, on streaming. You're losing, um, you're losing me. me. Yeah. Uh we had congressional hearings for Ticketmaster after <laughs> the Swifty upset. There was a hotel strike or all these um I don't know what politicians calling for hotel strikes um during the Eras tour, like during the SoFi Stadium shows, because they were they didn't want to pay their workers fairly, and they were like, oh, let's have Taylor stop her shows. Like, let's ask her to stop her shows. Like, no, what the fuck? That was the thing. Um, people giving her, like, mayors giving her... She was literally deemed mayor for, like, a couple days. I don't remember what state, but, like, she was deemed mayor. Um, she was given keys to the city, all that. Which I feel like keys to the city is pretty... More the norm, but was it... Which one is the one that named the park bench for her in the park she mentions in, what, Invisible Strains? Oh now, they God. knew. They got someone that was a Swifty on staff to give that that suggestion. I remember seeing Swifties literally form lines to take pictures at the bench at Centennial Park. I don't remember which city or which state, but I know that was such a fucking moment. I couldn't stop laughing every time I saw pictures or posts. Like, oh, I'm taking pictures at the bench. Like, oh my god, that's the funniest shit ever. Taylor, I love you. And whoever approved of this, I loved you. <laughs> it was just super fucking crazy. Um, so you're asking what our favorite night was in... Like, you know, if we have to look and pick a specific night. Yeah, but I think there's no debate. It has to be the night Taylor Lautner came out. It has to be the yes. night Speak Now was released. Mm-hmm. 1989 was awesome, but that night, you you can't beat it. It really hit different. Just kind of like seeing... Um, <laughs> 
the backflip just lives in my head rent-free, just seeing the entire <laughs> cast for the music video come in, you know, playing the music video, and then, like, we have Joey King, we've got um, Presley Cash, we've got Taylor Lautner just showing up. Like, it felt like a fucking movie premiere. Just, like, it was speaking of release day, yeah? That day was incredible, insane. Yeah. Um, I wish I could have been there, but it was just... It just felt so amazing, and I felt, like, I felt really happy for Taylor, because I remember just, like, the night Taylor Nation went live to uh, record Taylor announcing Speak Now Taylor's version, it was like, oh my god, this is gonna be huge, like, she's doing this during the tour, like, that's obviously gonna add more meaning to the song she's gonna perform once the album is fully out, once her version is fully, uh, like, available for us to listen to, and that obviously had its form in the, um the addition of long live to the set list and the celebration that it all felt like the speak now era since its release um and i feel like that'll definitely be the same for i believe the international leg is next yeah for when 1989 releases Mm -hmm. oh wait u.s leg second u.s leg because i know um it'll be new orleans night three when 1989 taylor's version drops um so it's the second u.s no it, no the second u.s lecture happened in 2024 oh shit my bad um so international that leg is then a year away yeah okay. my bad because i'm just going off what the what was posted to instagram i didn't fucking realize like oh the years that's next year <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. And that is one of the topics I wanted to get to at some point was there's this Instagram post out there that lists out every single date of the tour, both the first U.S. leg, the international dates, and the second U.S. leg. And it's 146 states total as of now. (laughs) And... When you look at it, it points out where exactly we are on this huge list that's four and a half columns on, and we are barely through one and a half. Yeah, I'm like, I commend Taylor for even being able to do all that, for willing to be able to do all that, because it's like, honey, put someone like me on that stage? Oh, God, that that's never going to fucking happen. <laughs> but, like, let's say an, an average fucking Joe on that I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Average person on that stage, um, they would not be able to do half of what Taylor does every night on the Eras tour. No fucking way. God forbid. God, like, if they ever make it past like a certain like certain few states, that's a miracle. Taylor, she is insane. I don't know how she does it, and I commend her for it because I would never be able to do that. I saw a post earlier today that was saying that Taylor is at a point in her career where she's only added adding in dates if she wants to be. Yeah. I still, however, keep thinking back to Miss Americana documentary. Mm-hmm. And she does touch a little bit about how crazy her life gets with these tours and how a year two years in advance she knows exactly where she has to she knows she's going to be in new orleans october whatever of 2024 how insane 
that's gotta be to live your life like that and i do feel like there are some artists especially female artists right now who are owning their life like rihanna played the super bowl pregnant and she played it her way yeah um no one she knew like the epitome of i am enough i'm showing i'm pure and you're lucky that i'm here and i'm gonna do this how i want to do this and that's amazing to see but also uh, just how insane it must be to especially for someone I feel like Taylor that shows so much commitment to her fans the prospect of canceling a show for any type of illness or life event would be so hard for her to have to do again as pathological people pleasers and yeah I I don't know I'm probably not going to comment it any further it's just I I really hope she is enjoying everything about this tour obviously it's not going to be perfect but I hope overall this is a really positive experience for her yeah I can obviously say the same because like even during the rain shows like I know if I ever got to go to a rain show I'd probably have like maybe a cold or something the next day and Taylor she does not have a poncho on above her costumes like she's going in like (laughs) hair all messy looking flawless as per as usual and I'm like girl has like obviously like nobody has lungs of steel maybe she does i don't fucking know but like you know she's fighting through whatever she needs to to you know stay true to that commitment she has to her fans because like you know god forbid like you know she doesn't want to cancel but it would be super super heartbreaking if she had no other choice which like you know that be it that would be a whole thing and like you know i'm really hoping that you know, even though this tour isn't perfect, sometimes it may be called the Eros tour. It's still Taylor's experience. Like, you know, like, I just hope that obviously she's having fun with it. I hope she continues to have fun with it, you know, and enjoy it as much as we are. Do we want to segue in to the breakup? Because... This ties in in the way that we didn't hear about it until a couple weeks into the Eras tour. Yeah. And before that, everyone was talking about how great she was, how happy she was. She was telling us how happy she was. And we were all buying into it. And then the news got out. And I personally could not fathom how she was doing it. And I know I saw a lot of posts and comments on Tumblr about how girl i would have just canceled the entire thing <laughs> mm-hmm. but then more and more got revealed that it had been a while like it wasn't new per se right uh she started the tour with that having the, the breakup having taken place yeah and yeah i do wonder obviously i don't think it impacted that much the set list because they would have had to be practicing way in advance but yeah and i also don't want to speculate too much about her personal life but at the same time her personal life is so we sometimes do feel so close to it because her lyrics are so personal at the end of the day um yeah i yeah no yeah i i agree wholeheartedly because like i mean like i remember literally like texting you like 
the day the news came out, like, no, no, this isn't fucking real. Is this fucking real? Am I, like, literally searching on Twitter, like, trying to find, like, you know, like, a, a verified news source? Like, please, just, if this is legit, please say so. If not, I hate everyone. Um, and, you know, like, obviously Taylor had to be, like, this wasn't new as... Um, as was revealed in the lyrics for um, You're Losing Me, I feel like it was just like a gradual thing. And again, I don't want to go deep into speculation here. I'm trying to refrain from that because this is Taylor's life. You know, it's who am I to be saying shit I don't know. There's obviously things we don't know. And I prefer it to be that way because that's up to Taylor if she wants to share it, if she doesn't want to. Cool. I don't want to hear things she doesn't want to share with us. Um, So kind of just you know, that was just a huge moment, and, like, again, I know it definitely had an impact, maybe definitely had an impact on the set list, as the changing of, you know, Invisible String to the one definitely had, like, you know, its effect there, um, I remember, like, I think I started noticing it days after the news came out, how Taylor, or not days after, but, like, kind of, well, yeah, days after, where when she kind of opens the tour with the Lover era to kind of introduce us, I know she specifically says, and I obviously don't know everything, remember everything verbatim, like, um, I know she would say something along the lines of, at one point, these songs were about me, but now, tonight, it's gonna be about you and I, something like that. Um, Those songs about heartbreak and love, Um, those definitely fit in and like she wanted to kind of reinvent the messages like hey this love song was about me but we're gonna make it about us same for kind of like it's not the same as how she did it for love story but I know like with love story she was um in the stolen version it was like telling like a love story of like a Romeo and Juliet situation with that being re-recorded I remember like the day she dropped that like it was just like it's gonna be a song dedicated for dedicated to you from me it's a song about us now but this was just kind of more major because like it was a big part of Taylor's life and in a sense it was a big part of our lives too considering how the majority of her fans reacted to it and how we reacted to the situation afterwards, but we're going to talk about that in a bit. I, you were texting me the day of, and I was with my parents, and I couldn't just break down crying because mm-hmm. Taylor Swift broke up. My parents would not understand that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to ignore you for right now, Mason. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with that on your own until mm-hmm. I have a moment to myself. Uh, yeah, it was so tough. And I don't want to, I agree with you entirely, like, we will never know what really happened. Even if in a couple years she writes about it, we still will not know what really happened. Right. But speaking about it personally, I feel, there Taylor has revealed so much of her anxieties and her personal insecurities through The Archer, through Afterglow, through Peace. And... I see myself in a lot of those songs. I can be easy to anger. I can say things I'll regret. And I have had relationships that have not surpassed the Great War. Mm -hmm. So I did look to her and Joe as this sort of light at the end of the tunnel thing. Like, if Taylor can make it work, 
someday I will find my invisible strain. Someday it will happen. Yeah. So personally, it was like very devastating. Like that moment of, well, is love even fucking real? Because right. th- this was supposed to be the one. This was supposed to be it. The end of all her endings. And it mm-hmm. fell apart. And I definitely had all the existential crises around love and myself and will it ever happen does it need to happen i don't need a man i don't need a person but i want one and yeah it got it was a lot to process and i know a lot of other swifties on tumblr were processing it in similar ways of just their faith shaken a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah and that also says a lot about, like, you know, the attachment we have to Taylor. Because, like, again, as per her lyrics stated, we thought that this was the end of all the endings. That this was the one. That this was the one, like, she would never let go of. So for that to kind of shatter definitely woke us up a bit, if not a lot. I think it all, for me personally, um, everything kind of just, like, cemented when she released you're losing me for the late now damn late night edition cds i feel like that song specifically woke me the fuck up and it also made me have like a crisis too like oh god like am i okay in terms of like the context of this song like how did he's like what it just felt like a big overwhelming thing so yeah definitely had my fave shaken a bit but I know, like, you know, there's obviously going to be another person, like, again, without, like, you know, talking too heavily about Taylor's personal life, because I'm trying to refrain, but, like, you know, there's always going to be another person that will, if not meet, surpass these, you know, these um, expectations, but just for that specific instance with that specific partner, it was just, like, a whole fucking thing, like... Whoa. It is interesting because even in You're Losing Me, she says it, even for a phoenix, I am getting tired of having to rise from the ashes. Like, mm-hmm. I think, and I was thinking about 1989 a lot last night, and I think even though Taylor is probably much more equipped with coping mechanisms and all this stuff, she knows she can get through this, she knows she will get through this. But just the fact, especially as it's all so fresh, like, the fact to have to go through it again has to be so difficult to deal with. And, again, just speaking, not projecting a little bit on Taylor, of course, Mm -hmm. but also, like, just speaking for my own, like, how I'm dealing with the breakup. I missed Joe. It's just, it's... It has to be so rough of, oh, we're doing this again. We have to start again. And yes, eventually we will be in the begin again phase where it's hopeful and it's happy and there's so much potential. But for Ryan, it was a sixth, her longest relationship, a six-year relationship where we got some of the most romantic, the most committed. How many references did we get to marriage in Lover? And now how... I wouldn't marry me either. Uh, oh, that's Jesus. just... yeah. God. Yeah, that was just fucking crazy. 
and like again when it comes like i'm circling back to that phoenix rising from the ashes lyric when you look back and see how much shit taylor has gone through how much not only pain but also heartbreak just like having to do it again like begs it's obviously gonna beg the question for her like how many times do i have to fucking go through it how many times is this good thing gonna end how many fucking times can i keep going like and the thing about phoenix is that like they're like they were born i don't like i'm obviously not up to date on greek mythology or lore or what have you so don't take my word for account but phoenix kind of just rise from the ashes to die from the i have no fucking clue um (laughs) (laughs) girl i don't know but phoenixes from what i know they're reborn to die again later so it's like they're going through a cycle of like hitting highs and lows all the time being dormant and then being and then reawakening only to go back and like you know back into hurt it's just like how much more do i have to fucking take you know it's really sad oh yeah most definitely and and i mean she hasn't shown it and one thing i'll do before we move on to the situation because i feel like that's where this conversation's headed yes i Thing. I Well, I respect the fact that we have no right to Taylor Swift's personal life. We have no right to, like, request information or mm-hmm. details from her. She will share what she wants to share with us once she's ready. Yeah. But I think it's so... It's important to me on some level to know the background of this song was written out of this personal situation and i'll use it's time to go as an example like how if you don't know the story behind the masters and the re-recordings and why she's doing all of this how can you what does the lyrics he's got my past frozen behind glass but i've got me mean to you if you Mm -hmm. don't know that background it just it does i don't yes we all the taylor songs we have our own personal connection to them and eventually those lyrics reference things in our own lives and that's what gives them meaning Mm -hmm. but i feel like swifties it's our lives and it's taylor's life and it's that combined impact of we have both gone through this in some version and we have both survived this and that's why we are such dedicated fans of taylor so i just feel like you lose something if you're just a casual friend that doesn't know some of the history behind these songs right exactly like any person could listen like any person that isn't as like deranged as us could listen to the song and not have the full context behind the lyrics but with us with how much we've seen taylor struggle like you know struggle to realize like oh god like my masters is being stolen like i don't own my old albums anymore so then like you know do an amazing job at re-recording the music like we know the context because we've seen it all happen and we've been with her at every stage so obviously the breakup happened yes and she had she continued to perform and show up and if 
you hadn't heard about the breakup, you would think nothing had changed, nothing had happened, and then the situation developed soon <sighs> after. <laughs> oh, I, I just want to say one thing that you may or may not agree with me before we get into it. Okay. I, at the end of the day, whatever Swifties decided to do, however Swifties decided to feel with it, totally, totally a personal choice. However, the thing that drove me crazy was Swifties, most likely a lot of white Swifties, passing judgment on what other Swifties decided to do or felt about the situation. Yeah. Like, especially if they're queer or people of color, it's just like, no, keep your opinions on how we're feeling about this to yourself. Because I don't want to hear it. I That's the thing that drove me crazy. crazy. If yeah. you decided to not to stop listening to her, if you decided to not listen to her but not be excited about it, or how, wherever you fell on the spectrum, totally respect your decision. Mm-hmm. But yeah, don't get you don't get to pass judgment on how other Swifties decided to deal with the situation because it was layered. Yeah. That's like a whole fucking bucket of worms to open but I know from where I stood personally like I was not a fucking fan at all from what I had already knew about Maddie or I'll call him Ratty um Healy beforehand um just kind of knowing the kind of guy he is in the public eye I have no idea who he is in private although I think he's just as bad um just kind of seeing like all the shitty things he's done and then kind of him like and then him being paired up with taylor it just like i could not like put that together and i was just like both of you what the fuck yeah so for uh this podcast is primarily for swifty so we won't be explaining a lot of this but for a little bit of context rumors came out that taylor swift and maddie healy were dating for what was it like Four weeks, six weeks. It was pretty short-lived. Yeah. Right after the breakup announcement the happened. Flame. Yeah. And honest to God, I had never heard about this person before. I didn't know this man. I had no idea who this was. God, I wish that were I, me. <laughs> my introduction to this dude was people freaking out that he was at the concerts for multiple nights in a row and trying to say that oh it's probably he's probably dating gracie abrams and i'm just like who is this person and why are we all freaked out and then slowly the rumors start rumor mill started and it was rumored that he was with taylor and i'm just like okay who who okay like it took me like five days after i was just like screw it i'm gonna google this guy who why are we so freaked out right now uh and then i started seeing the allegations and then i was like okay i did like light investigating dude i was like i'm sorry these interviews happened in 2023 oh no we are i had like 2016 flashbacks i was like we're about to go through it right now Mm -hmm. um and i don't know how much more time you want to spend on this but the last thing i'll say on it is it was a six year relationship it was probably one of her most intense relationships my stand i was definitely less excited about the whole thing i was definitely a little disappointed Mm -hmm. 
But I was not going to say anything until I, I, I was just praying it was going to be a fling. And I was going to give her all the grace of she just needs to feel like she's okay right now. Because I, projecting, I don't think she can handle being alone right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume she's going through it and this is how she's coping. And we've all been there before. And if Taylor was any random, normal girl with a couple hundred followers on Instagram, this would be the exact same choice any of us would make of just choosing the absolute wrong person to not want to confront the fact that after six years you are once again single absolutely you pretty much just took everything that i wanted to say and put it right there i feel like that's like a good good note to end on for this little situation segment here (laughs) and luckily that looks like that was the case and now while hold her accountable always but at the same time like i do not go to taylor swift for to make all the correct life decisions and the most politically left-leaning yeah decisions ever so we're just gonna leave that there yeah like as much as i love taylor swift very dearly you know she definitely makes some decisions that like you know i'm not gonna be chill with as like you know a queer latin so you know Mm -hmm. that's kind of just like I love her, but I can still be very critical of her. I can still hold her accountable. Um, yeah. Cool. Now that we've gotten that, uh, both of the messiest situations out of the way of this heiress tour, I have one final question for you. Yes? Do you remember a time before the re-recordings were announced slash decided? Because I'm having trouble remembering that small window of time where the news came out of she was not given an option to buy by her, back her master's, or at least not like a reasonable option. And I don't even remember the timelines, but to me, I never really doubted that she would do it. Once I read that that was legally an option, I always assumed she was that that's what she was going to do this was taylor swift this was her music yeah she's gonna re-record of course she is yeah no i'm in the same boat like i wasn't avidly following her on social media i don't remember when in 2019 that announcement was made but i remember kind of just like you know in that small window of time before um folklore released i kind of remember just stumbling on the post and being like oh yeah she's definitely gonna re-record it She's definitely going to do it. Like, I don't doubt it. Like, she's going to do an amazing job. It's her music. She has the right to take back her voice, her reputation, the Burfier, all the other albums. Take it back, girl. I believe in you. I'll be with you every step of the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think probably at most concerts, but definitely for the 1989 announcement, she touched on that. And she's touched on it in a couple different times of how she's surprised and so happy to see us take on the fight for her as well yeah and i loved how she did it in the i can see you music video which was not at all what i thought that music video was gonna be Mm -hmm. i thought oh we're probably gonna get one of taylor's more risque music videos out of this but no it ended up making me cry joey king and taylor lautner when they break her out of the vault 
really clever, by the way. When they break her out of the vault, it's just like a very beautiful moment. Like, okay, girl, let's run. Let's get out of here. You've got your Speak Now Taylor's version portrait. Let's get the hell out. You were trapped. Let's get you back to where you need to be. That part, yes. But the part that got me crying was the part where Joey looks at her dress from the mm-hmm. Mean Music video. Yes. And looks at it with so much emotion. And she, in that moment, is just representing us about how much it means to us that Taylor gets to own her music again. Yes. Couldn't have said it better myself. Just, I remember, like, yeah, getting wickedly emotional. Like, it's frozen behind glass there's no way she can get it because the whole place is gonna go like it's 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 gone what we can do now is just move forward with the artist that's willing to go ahead and take back what's hers and that's beautiful in and of itself and it's just like a big journey like fearless red speak now next 1989 and here's my predictions for the last two re-recordings i feel like it's definitely going to be reputation that's after 1989 and then afterwards will be debut the album that started started it all because that's like a kind of a poetic way to kind of end it the the taylor's version era yeah and i don't know why it's just hitting me like right now how (laughs) much grieving must have gone into this because the artistic choice to make the to blow up the museum behind you had me a little puzzled in the moment because the 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 re-recordings are it for me now. Like the old versions never exist, only mm-hmm. get played when they're in the physical CDs in my car. I'm not giving any more money no matter how small the Spotify royalties are mm-hmm. uh, to he who must not be named. So, but the it 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 confused me in a sense, but also clearly like hoax. Uh, t- it's time to go. She she does feel in a way like she's had to destroy and leave behind her old music, even though she's reclaiming it now. Yeah, and yeah, there's just so much again, so much that's been going on for Taylor this last couple years, and I just commend her for doing this yeah absolutely um did i did i ask you what favorite outfits i know it's like such a stupid minuscule question but like oh what was your favorite outfit from when you saw the heiress tour obviously you can like you literally saw the 1989 variants of each costume so i feel like that kind of Mm -hmm. takes home the cake for you and i think i already listed mine with like the green um folklore dress variant as well as the quote-unquote cupcake dress for speak now um poor reputation for only having like one bodysuit i'm hoping like for the next u.s leg as well as the international leg that the reputation will have more of a time to shine i feel like it definitely will when um reputation Taylor uh taylor's taylor's version comes out um same for Oh my god, debut was just, like, paid dust. Literally, the only debut (laughs) thing that I remember hearing or seeing was Taylor singing Tim McGraw at opening night. And even then, like, that was just such... Ugh. Debut needs a time to shine, I feel like. Uh, I have seen, like, there was one Tumblr post because I was doing my research, and on the Eras Tour tag on Tumblr before we met... 
And I do know she's saying a couple more debut and surprise songs, yes. but that was pretty much it. So that's an interesting choice. I do wonder if like one of the other albums is gonna get bumped once it's debut time, and mm-hmm. more debut songs will take on the regular Very set true. list. Yeah, we'll see what Taylor has in store for us. Uh, but I am going to potentially go into a little bit of a rant with this very simple question. Okay. Lover bodysuit is the one that's been getting the most media attention. Like, that's that's the picture that comes out whenever there's an article about this tour so far. Yeah. Especially after Barbie has happened. Yes. And I just personally love the love, Lover's outfit and the Lover's area so much right now mm-hmm. because of the reclaiming of femininity and unabashedly loving the color pink and dressing up and being girly and realizing that the only reason we thought that was a bad thing to begin was was because of the patriarchy yes yeah so that one definitely has a big spot in my heart right now and uh in addition to that i also just love the furry little uh midnight's jacket that she has on for the lavender haze music video as well as part of the set list absolutely And, like, to quote Margot Robbie, Barbie herself, Taylor is such a Barbie, and that's true. Um, It definitely makes me so angry looking back on how young girls were trained, or not trained, but, like, told or influenced to hate the color pink because of, like, what just, like, angry men, stupid men thought about femininity and how that played a like how misogyny played such a role in that and now with like barbie being out i'm not saying barbie kind of reinvented the way we all look at pink now but like you know as um we've begun to realize like oh hey this patriarchy shit is fucking garbage like we're gonna take back feminine well we're gonna look at femininity in the way that we are gonna do it not what men think um and I just love that. I'm, there's a more eloquent way of, to say this, but it is like 10 p.m. my time, and I am fucking tired. But, like, yeah, just... Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm, like, losing it. Yeah, I'll add on one quick thing, and then we'll end with a fun question. Yes. So it's also, like, not only teaching us to hate the color pink, but then it's teaching women and girls to hate the women and girls that did embrace their femininity and how in shake it off she literally says it she's there's like oh it's just such an airhead just going from man to man just because she was in her very feminine dressing era during 1989 and yeah it's I, I personally think you can say that Barbie has Barbie Barbie's a, a social movement right now. Barbie, yeah. Taylor Swift, they are just showing us how it's okay to reclaim all of that femininity and have fun. Yeah. Like, not have to be so serious or so methodical about everything we do or how we dress it's just i loved going to the tour and seeing everyone dressed up yes it was just the most beautiful thing ever and that can also be compared with um how i'm seeing audiences go to barbie dressed up in pink seeing girls say hi barbie hi barbie to each other passing by before or after a showing of barbie like that's the cutest fucking thing in the world 
I mean, like, yeah, it definitely reminds me a lot of, like, you know, how fun it is, like, now reclaiming the femininity and looking back on, like, you know, for instance, having more fun and shake it off. Like, hell yeah, like, I'm gonna reclaim femininity. Like, this is how feminine I am. I'm gonna embrace it. I don't give a fuck the patriarchy. Like, I don't give a fuck what it thinks about me, okay? I'm gonna keep doing my thing because it's my experience, my body, my choice, my way of doing things. And if you don't like it, that's on you. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I know you're tired. (laughs) Now, this was the Eras tour. Yes. If you gotta pick one era, and you gotta pick one era, what era would it be? If I had to pick one era that was, like, my favorite, or, like... That you could, like, all the other eras are going away, and you can can only take one with you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Um... Hmm. Ten seconds. Folklore. Folklore. I know I'm a reputation girly, but, like, folklore hit different for me. Like, you know, just kind of getting through the pandemic, getting through such a horrible time, transitioning to college after not even having, like, a graduation, a proper graduation. I had a virtual one, but, like, not having a prom, not having a proper graduation, being thrust into college, that album kept me going. I shit you not, it fucking saved me. Then Evermore did. Evermore is, like, I remember Taylor made, like, a little joke opening night. Like, I don't remember what she said verbatim, but she was like, and Evermore, which and it's an album I absolutely love, despite what you all are saying on TikTok. I see everything. Um, Folklore and Evermore <laughs> are definitely the sisters. They got me through so much shit. And if I had to pick another album, too, Evermore would be included. But Folklore especially... It inspired a lot of, like, you know, creativity within me. Writing, like, stories about other characters. Writing stories about my characters. As an artist, too, literally, I'm drawing again after, like, what? Two to three years of not picking up an art tablet in God knows how long. And it's such a beautiful thing, too. Taylor's music also inspires me artistically. Like, I'm out here making short films, wanting to create films, writing scripts animating making art because i've got such a creative drive i've got songs to inspire me because of taylor her lyricism is just so unmatched that like you know not only can i like relate personal experiences to these lyrics but also like imagine worlds imagine characters that could relate to these lyrics and that's a gift in and of itself now that was beautifully said thank you and just for me, real quick, it's going to be Reputation. Yes. Came out my senior year in college, listened to it endlessly as I was studying to wrap up my studies. So mm-hmm. will always hold a cl- close place in my heart. Uh, and that brings us to the end of our pilot episode. Thank you all for sticking along with us as we relived some of our favorite moments from the Eras tours we got to be at, as well as just the Eras tour first U.S. leg in general. The next couple episodes, we will be diving into one of Taylor's albums for each season. Each episode will be roughly one or two songs, depending on how much we have to say about them. And as Mason sort of highlighted, we will not only be analyzing Taylor's work, but we'll be sharing a little bit about how Taylor's work has inspired us creatively as well.
thank you all so so much for taking the time to listen to us it really means the world to us if you want to follow us on instagram please follow us at pathological people pleasers cast at instagram.com that is pathological people pleasers cast at instagram um wherever you're listening to this podcast be it spotify apple podcast please be sure to follow us give us a five star rating it definitely helps us you can also interact with us on instagram send us messages dms let us know what you think if there's anything you want us to add or talk about feel free we're an open book and as always thank you so much for listening to us um we just want to let you know that you are loved and you're on you're you can face this you've got this whatever you're going through you're amazing you're beautiful you'll get through it I was going to quote, you're on your own kid, but I'm like, you're on your own kid. Like, that could have been really terrible (laughs) out of context. Yeah. So, again, I'm Mason. And I'm Dahlia. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.